Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode 39. I am your host, Jeremy Ray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going great. How are you doing, Jeremy? About to go insane. Tonight's been a crazy night between having to go get a new chair to replace a recliner that broke and school and everything. I'm about to go nuts, largely from lack of sleep. Oh, yeah. How is school going? It's going good. I've lost a lot of sleep to it. But I've just got this one assignment that's due tomorrow that I cannot figure out what I'm going to do. It's basically where I have to look at everything that has been taught in the online curriculum and come up with anything that they missed or how I should improve it. But everything that they've covered on it seems to be just about perfect, so I don't have a clue what I'm going to do for it. But otherwise, it seems to be pretty good. Well, you could always talk about what they didn't cover in the future. Like, there is no talk about how it will be developed in the future. I mean, because you can't ever cover that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we have to do is we have to have a forum discussion with all of our students, and one of the discussions that we had to do by yesterday was how we would um, change the virtual learning environment that we have to deal with, which is known as Moodle, and which I don't have a clue how that name came about or anything, but apparently it's like a an online education thing that apparently several schools and stuff must use. But every, a lot of people didn't have any real critiques for it. I wrote this huge, long, like, 1,300-word thing about each and every little thing that they could do, RSS from RSS feeds to email to you name it. They have podcasts? No, not yet. Okay. I even requested Kindle support, too. I thought there was supposed to be, I thought most of the curriculum was through podcasts. I mean, what, how do you get the material to study? Is it just, just totally just web-based? Right now it's just all text, but supposedly in the future there's going to be um, audio files and video files and stuff. But so far it's just been all text and, the most, and, and some pictures. The most in-depth that's really gotten is just some pictures and in the English class we're pretty much going over some speeches, but... Even that's all text. There's no video of the speeches or anything like that. Mm. So is it worth it? I mean, are you actually learning something? A little bit, but it seems like, especially with the skills for online learning class right now, it's just kind of more about learning the virtual environment, the virtual learning environment. And oh, yeah. I've never much learned anything for from English classes since about middle school, so I can't say that my expectations are real high with it. And right now we're just kind of looking at some speeches like the Gettysburg Address and some stuff from Churchill. But it doesn't seem like we're actually learning much from it. It's just kind of a read these speeches, this is a little bit of background on the speeches, and kind of compare them. But there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of teaching going on. Yeah. At least at this point. Then again, I was kind of used to that because all through high school my English classes were basically busy work, where it was just kind of read this, do this, and teacher pretty much is like, leave me alone. And that, that's yeah. pretty much the way it was. So, I haven't really learned anything English-wise since middle school, and I guess I really don't expect much to. But I ain't got never learned anything from my darn-darn English classes done either. That actually sounds about like most of the <laughs> students whose papers I have to grade, because a lot of them... They come from, like, Indonesia and stuff, where English isn't their first language. So there's, a lot of times there's wor- missing words, and stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense, or they use periods instead of commas and stuff. As to where sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to um, figure out what they're trying to say. Yeah, some of the um, co-workers I have in India, um, they actually write a sentence and then put a period after every sentence. So even if it's a question, it would be like, Blah, 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 question mark, period. Blah, 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 period. Blah, 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 question mark, period. Blah, 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 exclamation part, period. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one quite yet. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I pretty much get all the ones that are put periods in place of commas, so you, like, have half sentences and stuff. It, it's kind of annoying, but at the same time, I kind of understand just because it's English isn't their first language. Yeah, well, hopefully it should get interesting after this. I'm hoping so. It, it, it's, it's 
getting better, and if they listen to my suggestions for the virtual learning environment, it'll get a lot better. Just because what they have now, the system, not that wonderful. And it, it, it has this look of something that came out of like the late 90s, and it has a very one Web 1.0 feel to it, and I want to bring it into Web 2.0. But so far there's been no response to the staff, despite the fact that all the students think that there are wonderful suggestions and the staff should be in on the conversation. But anyway, a um, couple of quick little housekeeping things here. Don't forget to check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. You can follow along with all the stories that we're talking about today. And don't forget to check out the Global Geek News blog. I've got a number of things on there. Uh, a couple of things that I posted today are going to be our first two stories. And I have one coming out tomorrow morning, which will be the morning that um, this show is up for download, about how Best Buy is screwing PlayStation 3 owners. They're basically trying to sell you um, the services of setting up your PlayStation 3, basically plugging it in, creating accounts, setting parental controls, and upgrading the firmware for 130 bucks which is absolutely ludicrous. So expect that coming tomorrow, and there's also a picture just to show you that I'm not making all this stuff up. Then again, whenever there's a nightmare story coming out of Best Buy, you know what's pretty much the truth. Um, also, at the end of the show, make you wait to the end, I have an announcement on a giveaway that we're going to be doing. So make sure to listen all the way to the end, because you will want to hear this. Yeah, we're giving away free episodes. Yeah, that too. Actually, I've been meaning to promote that as all of the shows are being free. I just haven't remembered to do that. Yeah. But, yeah, this is going to be something that you're going to want. Unless, of course, you're a Mac fanboy, in, this, in which case I'm sure you probably won't care. But, anyway, on to our first story. This one I got off the Global Geek News blog, although I, that was, of course, after I doing all my research everywhere else. But... According to me, the PS Sony is setting the PSP Go up for failure. Yeah, this is typical Sony. They always think of something cool and then throw one little thing that makes you say, "Oh crap! Now I don't want it." Like this, like a really kick-ass camera, but then it uses memory stick, mm-hmm. or a really good CD, but then it has DRM on it and will install a rootkit on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this particular case. Um, one is the first thing is what we've known for a long time, and that's the price point of $250, which is what the original PSP came out at. But in a time where the Wii is below $200, you can't really justify $250 for a portable gaming device. Especially, yeah, even especially the one Xbox that, 360 is under $200 if you're going for the arcade. Yeah, well, and especially when it does absolutely nothing different in terms of like games and stuff than what your original PSP can do and the screen is smaller, and you're going to have to go through, and if you want to play your old games on it, they've decided to throw the conversion program out the window for legal and technical reasons, so you're going to have to go and buy all of your games again as well. Right, so if you're starting from scratch, you might as well get, like, an iPod Touch, or maybe even with the Tegra chip and the Zune HD, there's a possibility that that could be a really good gaming platform. Or maybe even go for like a DSi or uh, or something else that um, I mean you can basically move to any platform you want since you're gonna have to repurchase everything from scratch. Yeah, basically the only reason to get this is if you're tired of having your UMDs break like I am, and you're gonna end up having to buy the games all anyway because all your UMDs are broken, right. like mine have. Um, but the only the real thing that gets me is that despite the fact that they've taken out the UMD drive. Despite the fact that the screen is now smaller, the battery life is still going to be the same. And, and there's yeah. there's no other than it be, being smaller, there is really no reason at all to get a PSP Go. This is coming from somebody who collects consoles, collects handheld handheld gaming devices. Was the second one in the whole stupid city to get a PSP. I mean, I had planned on pre-ordering it, but now I have no plans on pre-ordering it. Do you think this is going to create a black market for um, the original PSP? Well, that's always kind of existed anyway, um, especially since the launch of the PSP originally, because everybody who wanted homebrew on their PSPs needed a PSP with a 1.5 firmware. 
and as time has gone along, you don't necessarily need that and such. But especially in the beginning, um, once they started selling PSPs with like the 2.0 firmware or the 2. Point whatever firmwares, it created a huge market, especially on eBay, for the 1.5 PSPs because at the time, those were the only ones that could be hacked. And so. So help me out here. Um, so the PSP Go, um, that's supposed to launch, what, Thursday? Uh, yeah, October 1st, which I believe that's Thursday. Let me get your prediction on uh, sales for that first week. How many How many do you think? Um, I'm going to guess 75,000, maybe. 75,000 in one week? All in Japan? Oh, <laughs> all in one week? I was thinking month. Um, no, no. One week, I'm guessing maybe twenty thousand, and they haven't even been real heavily promoting it. I have, up until about an hour ago, I hadn't seen any commercials for the PSP Go, and the commercial they have for it was basically the same style of commercials that they had for the original PSP of of people just kind of using the PSP Go in various environments. Yeah, well, so nothing to I make this, you really want it. This this is just really downhill from the PS... The, I think PS2 was their pinnacle. Um, maybe even uh, actually the PSP when they released that. Uh, but the PS3 has been lackluster as an acceptance as opposed to the PS2 what was an out-and-out leader at its debut. Um, I think they're having some missteps and uh, at best case they might fall to a marginal player. Yeah, well, up until they announced the PSP Go, their sales for the PSP had actually been climbing a bit as to where they were still nowhere near the level of the DS, but right. they were, had gotten as to where I think the install base on it was 20 million PSPs right. in the hands of owners. Well, so, I'm not, that's what I want to say. I don't think they're going to die, and I don't think this is the death of Sony or their PS... Their PS platform, PSP or PS3 or anything like that. I'm just saying they're going to just fall into a marginal player. They're not going to be the leader and it's going to be a while before they take that leadership crown. Um, they should be seriously looking at the PS4 and making sure that uh, they're paying attention to what's going on now. Yeah. Well, and my prediction is also that the PSP Go will also be hacked within a month. So there's my prediction on that too. Really? Well, generally speaking, whenever... I mean, one of the problems in terms of hacking it is that there's no UMDs, which and games can be updated as they need to be now, whereas before, UMDs were um, a liability to the PSP, and with games like um, Luminous and a number of others that had um, uh, vulnerabilities in them for like saving data and stuff so that hackers could get in there and then change the firmware of the PSP and stuff like that. But now that they don't have access to those disks and stuff, it's going to be a whole lot harder. But even then, I mean, Sony released new firmware on the PSP, what was it, a week, maybe two weeks ago? And within 24 hours, they had already had, the hacking community had already had the firmware decrypted, although there's still no plans for creating any new custom firmware for it, but it's basically been hacked within 24 hours. And that's basically the case of how it's been for most PSP firmwares for the past year or two. Well, you're just saying a month. I think that's just way too long. I'm thinking four or five days. Yeah, well, I think it's it, it could be, too. I'm, I'm not sure how close the firmwares for the original PSP and the PSP Go are going to be, so it, I think that is... A big part of it, and with the newer PSPs, a lot of them, you almost have to use the UMD and stuff because they have various checks and stuff built into the hardware that have given hackers some trouble of getting around. As far as I know, if they've gotten around all of them, but they every once in a while, when Sony wants to try and take things seriously, they'll release a new version of the motherboard without telling anybody, and they'll make it as to make it harder to hack them. But that's kind of one of those wait and see kind of things. Right. Well, some people will have no uh, choice if they wanted a PlayStation platform, but to get a PS3, um, I'm sorry, but get, but to get a PS Go if the PS3 is sold out. 
Yeah, this one, also another story on the Global Geek News blog, that one that I came up with, I guess it was last week, we didn't post until today, that one of um, one of Sony's executives, Jack Trenton, is saying that if um, PS3 sales continue at their current pace, which they sold $3 million in the last month, thanks to the $100 price drop and the shipping of the PS3 Slim, that this holiday season there will be shortages of PlayStation 3s. Yeah, that's good and all, but it sounds like poor forecasting. Um, is he he's is he trying to spin this in a way where uh, he he doesn't have enough to, they don't have enough uh, uh, they're having manufacturing issues and or um, is there a possibility that they just uh, they didn't phase in the PS PS3 Slim uh, uh, well enough? Uh, why? Why? If if you see during Christmas that they're gonna have manufacturing issues, what what kind of lead time do you think it is to 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 spin that up to get it out there in the market by Christmas? I don't know. The way I see it, there's two possibilities with this. One, they're incompetent and didn't expect a threefold increase in the sales of PS3s between the price drop and the launch of a new version, the PS3 Slim, especially... Or or two, C number one. Yeah, especially when it comes to around when you're getting ready for holiday, you kind of know the sales are going to be up anyway, so... And not to mention everybody had been expecting a $100 price drop for the past year, so either they're too stupid to realize that demand was going to be this high, or basically they're doing it for the free press, because now you've got stories saying that there are going to be shortages, then you'll have more stories saying there are shortages, and basically they could just be doing it for the free press. Well, let me ask you a question. If you went to the store, like you're buying a console, Mm -hmm. and the PS3 sold out, but you wanted to get something for Christmas, do you give someone a rain check, or do you just buy another console that they don't already have? Well, let's see, since I already own all the consoles, um, well, if if that was the case, I would probably look online everywhere, and if all else fails, I go to eBay. Well, just, look, let's say that you're not getting this for yourself. Let's say you're getting this for someone else. I'm sure you could think of something else that someone would want instead of a PS3. That's, that shouldn't be the only thing on their list. Yeah, maybe, it would, it would probably just depend on why they would want the PS3 if it's for the games or for the Blu-ray. Mm, sure. I, th- I think that's kind of the major factor there. If it's for the games, then the 360 basically can play most of the same games, and I would just go that route. But if it's for the Blu-ray player, then I would probably buy a standalone Blu-ray player because I know those are, I think, around 100 bucks now on the cheap end. Well, there's a crap load of games coming out for the PS. Uh, sorry, for the Xbox 360. Uh, um, what about getting like a five-game bundle and say, "Here, take this instead of instead of a PS3"? Would would that would you be happy with that? Uh, yeah, probably. It, it would probably just depends on what games are bundled. And I know, I know there's supposed to be some new P, um, Xbox 360 bundles coming out in time for the holidays, and also there's supposed to be a um, there's a rebate for fifty dollars for the th- 360 floating around, which is our tip of the day. We'll hit that one at the end of the show as well. So. In that case, that might actually be the better buy anyway. Yeah. Or, well, actually, that's the 360 Elite. I should probably just clarify that, but we'll talk about that more at the end of the show. But, yeah, I I would probably... If if it was a PS3 and I had no other idea of what to go with, I would head to eBay and probably pay the inflated prices that I would find on there. Otherwise, I would just go with the 360. Yeah. Yeah. Bad news for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out. I I wish there was some way of knowing for sure if this was a case of they're too stupid to anticipate demand or they just want the free press. I, I, I wish there was a way to try and figure that out. Um, was it Occam's Razor? <laughs> yeah. If, if, whatever is the simplest is usually true, and I vote for number one. Could be. I don't know. It, it seems like they tend to be all about the press for a lot of their stuff, so who knows? Yeah, bad uh, press. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad press, um, the judges over in 
Switzerland, is that, no, Sweden, Sweden, for the Pirate Bay trial are getting even more bad press because apparently now they're two of the judges for the Pirate Bay appeal are now being called on their bias on top of the one that we talked about last week. Yeah, I gotta say that the recording industry is doing a really good job of going around and getting all these judges signed up to join their little groups saying that they pledge their support for DRM and the protection of music. Well, in this case, there's one judge that's like that, and the other one that even if he doesn't really want, because apparently he's an expert on this kind of stuff, because he has um, he's a programmer that has some kind of a patent that he shares with the original developer of uTorrent for um, some streaming technology. So since he kind of knows what he's doing, they really don't want him up there either. So this is kind of like, well, we don't want that judge, and you don't want this judge, so let's try and get them both out of there. Yeah, there's bias all the way around. Um, I have no faith in their uh, judicial system when it comes to vetting people. And um, as I said last week, what is with all these judges with these side jobs? Why, why can't they get someone who is dedicated to law and that's their career? Do you think they just don't pay them enough? That would be my guess, either that or there's just not enough of a criminal problem in Sweden to have full-time judges, in which case I don't know why they have as many judges as they do. Yeah, that sounds like the way they pick judges is the same way that we pick uh, juries. Uh, you get a summon and say, hey, would you like to be a judge this week? Are you busy? And if you can't get your work to get a nice letter to get out of judge duty, you have to show up and then you have to prosecute uh, a pirate, the pirate bay. Yeah, it, it it seems like one screwed up deal, and I, I'm I'm getting to the point where I really don't know what to make of it anymore. Well, it's a soap opera, and if it was written into a movie, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear if the sales actually gone through, since the one guy's having to declare bankruptcy and everything. I I thought it was supposed to go through like last week or whatever, but I still haven't heard anything yet. I wonder if there's a statute of limitations for this prosecution. Um, saying that you know, you know, we have a right to a speedy trial. Uh, since this is this is criminal, this is not uh, civil, right? I mean, because right. people were facing jail time. So I wonder if they have a law like that saying that they have to be, they have to have a trial in a certain amount of time. Right. I'm not sure what their um, rules are is in terms of how speedy and stuff that it has to be. I know they talked about appeals and stuff going on for a couple of years, so I really don't know. I know that, in general, the copyright law itself has a statute of limitations. I don't know about in Sweden, because they have really funky copyright laws, but here it's five years as the statute of limitations for violating the DMCA. Yeah. Okay, well, next week uh, we'll hear about that fifth judge. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. But speaking of lawsuits and stuff going to trial, apparently it might be cheaper if you just ignore a whole lawsuit from the RIAA than if you actually went to trial. Yeah, I, I love this story. This sounds awesome. Uh, it was it, um, saying that you could just not even just respond and just get away with a smaller fine? Yeah, apparently the minimum statutory damages are $750 a per, per song if you don't show up. So depending on how many songs you downloaded, you could end up with a far smaller fine rather than like 80,000 a song, like with Jamie Thomas. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's still court costs and stuff to go along with it. I mean, the, the cheapest way is still going to be to settle with them, assuming you can't you have a court case you can't win. Um, but settlements still go for between three and $5,000, so it really just depends on how many um, f- songs or whatever they have you accused of downloading as to what would be the cheapest route for you. Well, they used to send letters and saying, "Hey, you can settle over the mail for like eight grand or something like that." And but they they stopped stopped doing that last year, right? Uh, supposedly they've stopped um, filing all the lawsuits altogether, other than the ones that were already in the system that were just in the being processed and stuff. But as far as um, settlements and stuff, I don't know if they've 
stopped anything like that or not. Yeah, well, uh, it's it, it, one thing is, can they enforce it if you get a summons? Because this is, I mean, what could they do? I mean, they couldn't just default have you owe that money because you don't show up. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works. I'm guessing maybe because you don't show up and they have their evidence or whatever and you don't put on any defense, that means you're basically automatically guilty would be my guess. Right. So that, that yeah, that's yeah. how I understand it. Okay. I'm going to report you to the RIAA and you tell me if it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's been a long time since I've pirated songs. TV yeah. shows, on the other hand... Um, that's a whole different story. But songs, now I just buy everything off of iTunes or Amazon, one of the two. I wonder what happens if um, you took them to small claims court. Um, some cities, or some states, depending on the law, you can prosecute up to $10,000. Um, but the thing in small claims court, you're not allowed to bring professional legal representation. So I wonder if you could countersue uh, or you know sue the RIAA about wrongful you know, judgment and stuff like that, and then sue them right back. I wonder if that, if, if, uh, I wonder why nobody's done that. Yeah, I'm not real sure. Well, generally, for most of these, the RIAA tries to go for the max of $175,000 per, per song, assuming that they can show willful infringe, infringement. So that's probably why right. I never even think about small claims. Well, right, right. I'm just saying, let's say you don't show up, and you get the $750 per song. Whatever that is, assuming it's less than $10,000, you could then pay that money, go to small claims court, sue them for the amount of money that you had to pay them, and get the money right back. It's possible, or at least I think so. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look into that a little more. I would like to see that on Judge Judy. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Actually, I've always been more of a people's court person. Or a people's court, yeah. Judge Melian, is it? Yeah. Although, I always preferred it with Judge Koch, the guy that used to be the mayor of... New York, yeah. Yeah, New York. But, yeah, she's good, too. Well, you know that Judge Judy is married to... Uh, hmm. Him and, yeah, they're married, Judge Judy and... I, I knew she was married to somebody. I wasn't thinking it was him, though. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it seems like she, um, she's married to Maury or something like that, the guy with the talk <laughs> show, I think. But I'm not. No, positive. no, no, no. That's that's what, Connie Chung or something like that. Is that her? Yeah. Something like that. I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've paid any attention to that kind of stuff. I don't even know the All last right. time I watched any daytime TV. Well, I'm wrong. You're wrong. And now we're at three strikes. Yeah. Well, apparently France has finally approved their three strikes law, and it's about time, unfortunately. Yeah, thank goodness. We really needed this. Yeah, apparently it was passed by our, um, 258 votes to 131. As to where now, apparently with the way it's rewritten, those who are accused can go through the court system and stuff, whereas before it was there was some kind of a non-legal authority that was being set up but to for... Um, people to just go and accuse you or whatever, but that's been thrown out as unconstitutional, but now this version has been passed, although I wait to see if it'll be um, tried in the courts to see if it's still unconstitutional or not. Right. It looks like they shortened the uh, non-intentional infringement to only a month of a ban. But also... um, that is through an ISP. So let's say that you were on your cell phone and getting like a Wi-Fi card, mm-hmm. uh, and you also had like DSL. Um, would that go across all the ways you can connect to the internet, or just the infringing line? As far as I'm aware, it's across everything. Mm-hmm. So that way you can't just jump from one ISP to the next. That's, so, that's the way I recall it being written. Alright, so let's say if it was me and my wife, and the cable internet is under my name, 
we could always get a cell card under her name for a month. As far as I know, yes, that and that's if they ever tried to adopt something like this here, that would be my method is whoever I happen to be living with at the time, my mother or roommate or whoever, just bounce back and forth on whoever's name we need to. Yeah. This sounds like a huge hassle, inconvenience, and probably not at all um, going to show any results. Well, the sad thing is this is kind of a little bit more lenient than Comcast is, because Comcast, if you violate their bandwidth cap two months in a row, you're banned from Comcast for a year. So it's kind of sad when the French are, have a law that's nicer to you than Comcast. But it's not ISP specific. You can always go to another ISP. True. Um, the the scary part is that with this being the first three strikes law that is really going to be widely adopted by a country, um, this could be used as a template to go to other countries and say, hey, France did this, you should do it too. And I, hopefully it won't spread like a virus. I believe there's actually one or two other countries that already have it introduced or that already have it law. I'm thinking New Zealand and South Korea, but I'm not positive on that. With New Zealand, I think that it hasn't been fully ratified. I think they're still in the appeals process, I mean, or a final ratification process. They're still going through. It hasn't actually been in effect. It's been proposed, but uh, I don't th- think it's actually been See, I was thinking uh, that adopted. was Australia, but New Zealand had passed it, I thought. But I'm, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, we both can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of banning things. Apparently the feds want to ban cell phones for bus and truck drivers. This kind of makes sense to me in a way. Um, But once again, you can't legislate people to be smart. Uh, They'll always try to work the system and find the loopholes. But, I mean, with all the accidents that's been happening with the large commercial vehicles... I can understand where they're they're coming from, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I I know I know they're trying to pressure other states into adopting a similar law. Now this is pretty much stems from the fact that there's been several, primarily buses, that have gotten into accidents because the bus driver's sitting there texting or whatever, and they run into bridge and it takes the top half of the bus off or get in whatever other accidents. That's kind of what this is coming from, but. Personally, I'm against this whole thing because it would considerably affect the business that I work for, which is my grandfather's towing company, and that we need the drivers need to be able to take calls at any time, whether they're driving down the road or sitting in the office for like police calls or if there's somebody just stranded out in the, in the middle of the road or whatever. So for us, this would be a very bad thing although but for a normal someone person like a truck driver or something like that that just drives semis or whatever this probably wouldn't be that big a deal but for someone like the towing companies this would be a major issue yeah would this cover CB radios I don't think so right so not as far as I know of. so and then what if someone has one of those next hill phones would that be considered a cell phone or more of a walkie-talkie? Uh, I don't know. Those are actually the phones that we use. So, I, yeah, and so it's like... Eh, it probably depends that, on kind of what you're using it for. But if they were going... After, if this included CBs, radios too, you know every single um, shipping company, um, anything like that would be completely up in arms over this. Exactly, and so if you use like the walkie-talkie two-way radio, and just say I'm just using it as a handheld CB, I, yeah, it's it's there's ways around it, but we'll we'll have to see with the first person who's prosec- prosecuted under this law, and how that goes, um, and that's going to tell you how lenient they're going to be and how strict they're going to be, and um, see if it actually makes a difference. So, let's see if crashes go down because of this, but it just. Like they're saying, the sensationalized accidents, mm-hmm. those are like plane crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you hear about them a lot because they are so rare, not because they're common. Yeah, it, it it's kind of stupid, I think. I, I've never been one for banning cell phones and cars, whether they're 
personal or commercial. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out because here in Colorado, I believe starting like the first of November or something like that, a uh, law goes into effect where we're not allowed to do any texting or anything with lots of manual data entry while we're driving. So no twittering, no um, searching the internet, stuff like that. But as although as far as I can tell, without the text entry, as long as I have like places on the internet favorited, I can still go to them and like check out my Google Reader and stuff, which is kind of stupid. But I don't know. It, that just seems. Last I saw the law was written that way, and for some insane reason, if you have a ham radio license, the law doesn't apply to you at all, which is also kind of stupid. But they should just make a new license. Just call it a Texans while driving license and just have it do it that way. Yeah. Well, I think there should be... I mean, I don't know if you got a chance to play with it. The thing that the, I believe it was the New York Times had yeah. for texting while you're driving. I think that people should be forced to do that, and if they fail within a certain margin, then they're not allowed to text while driving. If you pass within a certain margin, you can. I mean, when I did it, my overall reaction time dropped by six one-hundredths of a second, which is basically nothing. Yeah, I couldn't even actually do that one without texting. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was trying to use the keyboard to go through it. It's just insanely fast to go through those gates. Um, yeah, but... it's not that realistic just because you got, like, basically six gates and you change lanes to a different gate every about every four or five seconds. Yeah, exactly. But it gives you a good way, idea. They just 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 say how can you pay attention or not, and just have different, like an IQ test for driving. If you can't pay attention, you shouldn't do it. You get a little, just like you might get a like eyeglasses restriction on your license. You get a no texting or no doing anything stupid on your license, and just say, hey, we, we pre-screened you. Don't do something stupid. And if you do something stupid, then you get a bigger bill when you get pulled over. Is I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah, I think it, the whole driving license thing, it's too easy to get driver's license because there's almost hardly anybody in this stupid town that I would that doesn't deserve to have their license taken away. I mean, it, people around here are total idiots. Right. But anyway, on to more hopeful things. Apparently the Netflix CEO hopes to stream Netflix movies to the PS3, Wii, and iPhone in the future. Yeah, this is kind of like a no-duh story. Um, I think he would like to stream it to straight to TVs and <laughs> to, to, to printers and to, to whatever else can be connected to the internet. To gas pumps. <laughs> as long as he can make money and get it everywhere, I think he would not restrict himself to any platform. Yeah, what I'm I'm not real sure of is that a couple of months ago, Microsoft announced that their whole deal with Netflix is an exclusive deal, so yes. that there's no hope of it coming to the PS3 or Wii, so I'm not sure how he can say that he hopes to bring it to those. And hey, hopes to doesn't mean he will. Hopes and will are two different things. Yeah. I think he, he hopes to do it, but of course the... the, the the arrangement with Microsofts are limited. It can't be um, for uh, an unlimited or undetermined amount of time. So um, he could be saying that, like, in the future also. Yeah, and from the way you talk, this is, none of this is happening anytime soon. I mean, with the I, iPhone, he's saying that the mobile strategy is something that's kind of down the road, that there's probably a Netflix streaming app in the works, but it's not necessarily coming anytime soon. Yeah. Well, with the advent of uh, Blockbuster um, getting diminished, um, they, they have less push. Um, what they should be worried about is um, the other streaming partners. I think those are the ones that are laying in wait and may jump on that. Um, like, uh, was it Zoom? Zoom? Uh, I forget the name of it. The other streaming company? Hulu? Not, no, it starts with a Z. Uh, I guess I don't... 
know of any. I know there's Voodoo. Voodoo. That's what I'm thinking of, yes. Mm, okay. Voodoo is... Uh, I know that they have signed streaming agreements, uh, and they have uh, what 1080p streaming. Mm-hmm. So I would worry about worry about them. Yeah, and Voodoo's starting to get into a lot of things now. I know that they're... They have deals with several TV manufacturers now to have Voodoo capabilities built straight into the TV. I, I think I can't think for sure which ones. I'm thinking Philips is one of them, and I'm not sure who all else. I know they're pursuing, trying to basically get everybody to sign up for it. But that could be one thing that they real that Netflix really needs to be on the lookout for. Yeah, they could take the uh, they could take the the PS3 and the Wii market while Netflix is restricted and they can't compete. Yeah, that would that would be good. I, I it, the way I can understand Voodoo is basically you need their hardware or your, their hardware built into the TV. So I'm, I I would doubt that their service could be put into the PS3 and the Wii just because I would assume there's they have to have like their own decryption chips or something installed in there. That that would be my guess. Um, yeah, there's an amazing amount of things you can do with firmware, though. Um, yeah, the, the, the problem with that is just making sure that it's optimized for the platform, and there's a lot of development work, and mm-hmm. Netflix does have uh, a lot more resources because they are more successful. <laughs> Uh, that it's easier for them to deploy a solution on different platforms than anyone else. Um, so maybe that's what they're relying on to to be good enough to hold off long enough to 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 reap the benefits of having a, a short-term exclusive uh, contract with with Microsoft. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see just what direction this whole story takes and how long it takes to get there. I, ho- I hope for it on the PS3, but at this point I'm honestly considering dropping my Netflix subscription anyway because I can't seem to get around, get enough time to actually watch the movies that I have. I mean, I've got the same movies for the past month, rather less stream any, and I've managed to stream all of one movie in the past month, I think. Yeah. M- yeah one but, and a half, I mean, actually. Yeah, with um, what we need is another crappy... Uh, season of television. I think uh, after the strike, things kind of stepped up for uh, a lot of the networks, and we have, we have some really good shows. Yeah, I don't know. Heroes is back, so there's your crappy hour of television right there, at least if the last <laughs> season was any indication. And they canceled The Cleaner today. I'm pissed off about that. I cannot believe A&E has canceled The Cleaner. That was like the best show on TV right now. Hmm. I, I think we talked about this last week, that maybe... They should instead of canceling these shows, they should just move them on to online, to Hulu. Or I mean, you've heard the story about Hulu possibly doing this subscription model, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, that might be something that if uh, if Hulu and Netflix had some sort of agreement in which you know, just like how uh, Netflix and Stars has an agreement, and you would get Hulu content uh, of canceled shows on the Netflix in one interface, I, I would that bring you back? It might. I that would probably be the best hope of bringing me back. Yeah. Ho- hopefully Netflix is doing stuff like that in the background too to keep themselves relevant while they're not on consoles. I mean, there's still also the Roku. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. I I don't even know if I've even seen any Roku's ever actually. So I don't think that's a real big thing for them, I don't think. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I mean, plus they're locked in. I mean, they're hooked up with Amazon Unbox and so on and so forth. So there's mm-hmm. other services that are available. Yeah. Well, that would be something that would be nice for, like, the PS3 would be Amazon's Unbox. That would be great. But then again, there would probably be a lot of overlap because the PS3 already has a ton of movies and TV shows and stuff already on it. So maybe that would be kind of pointless. Yeah, there's a lot of holes to fill when it comes to entertainment on consoles. Yeah. Well, there didn't seem to be much in the way of older content most of the time, too. Mm-hmm. But speaking of holes, uh, apparently the U.S. wants the U.K. hacker that 
um, hacked into NASA and stuff looking for uh, signs of aliens and what the government knows about aliens and stuff like that to pay for the security holes that he exposed to the tune of $700,000. Yeah, that's like uh, charging Microsoft for getting a virus. It, it makes no sense at all. I mean, the hole was there. It's always been there. Why should he have to pay for something that they screwed up to allow the hole in the first place? Yeah, this is sounding like a law made up in the nick of time. And of course, how is he going to get that kind of money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this was just some kid or whatever in the UK that just wanted to know what the US knew on aliens. I, I think he was a teenager, I think. No, I think he was in his 30s. But I think he had, like, a, a specific type of OCD or something like that that made him want to keep trying to find the truth. Could be. I don't know. I, and I didn't look into it that much when the story happened. Yeah, he was uh, fighting extradition for the longest time, but then the U.S. finally got it. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting how they're trying to get $700,000 instead of... Uh, they're not pushing for jail time, right? Uh, I was thinking he already got jail time, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe they can just he can work and just harden their defenses, just and they'll pay him a contractor seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Look, uh, let's see. I think I found a thing about him. Well, he lost the review of his Asperger's defense, but I don't see anything in terms of. Um, like how much you supposed, how long you're supposed to be in jail or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, I actually coming from a a logical <laughs> part of it. It's better for them to try to get the money than to try to put this guy in jail. But they already done that, so um, they have to let him go if they want him to pay the money. I mean, he can't work in prison. Yeah. Well, it's not like. The guy went into uh, the hacking community and said, "Hey, here's all the government computers, and here's the holes they have." I, why should, if he didn't do something like that, then why should he have to pay for it just because he used the holes? He didn't expose the holes. The holes were there in the first place. Yeah, that's this is stupid, but that's our government. Yeah, pretty much. Now, if uh, if the government computer. Uh, was like this next story, the NSW, uh, I think he wouldn't be in this predicament. Yeah, the NSW Department of Education is looking to make some, to partner with Lenovo to roll out some supposedly unhackable netbooks for high schools. For And I guess they're looking at getting some 240,000 netbooks to give to high school students where they can keep them until they graduate and they can either give them back or they can keep them, which why you'd want to keep a netbook that's four years old, I don't know, but anyway. Apparently they're doing all kinds of things like even even if you wipe the hard drive or whatever, they've still got um, a password-protected BIOS that has some tracking software in it and everything, so... There's a lot of steps to get around if you're going to hack into one of these netbooks. Yeah, it sounds like the money that they're spending on developing something like this, I guess with the aims to make sure that if it is ever stolen that it couldn't be repurposed, uh, what they could do is just uh, maybe even possibly come up with some sort of proprietary system that only uh, that makes it more of an appliance than a general purpose computer. And go from that direction instead of taking a general-purpose computer and harden it to make it into an appliance. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, I don't know if we covered it on here or not, but it seemed like a couple of weeks ago there was a story about um, basically these BIOS root kits or whatever for tracking a laptop after it's been stolen stuff mm-hmm. are basically something that hackers can get into and work their way around and stuff. So... <laughs> To say that this is going to be unhackable is basically just a challenge to the students more than anything. Because as far as I can tell, even if you've got a password BIOS, usually there's um, some kind of a master password for the manufacturer, in this case Lenovo, that you can get the master password that will always work. Or you can just 
remove the battery or whatever and get into the BIOS, then go through and flash the BIOS, and you're free to go. Yeah, and also probably what it's going to be is just going to be a, a, a commodity laptop that's modified. For instance, like you were saying, a special BIOS. Um, I, I bet they could probably just pop out the BIOS chip and put like a another BIOS chip or uh, you know just pop out the back and just remove whatever that was added to make this one secure and just totally open it up that way. I mean that's where I would go about it to get it cleared out. Yeah, this is supposed to have all kinds of different stuff on it. They're supposed to be using Windows 7, but they're going to have like RFID built into it, some security software called Smart Filter from McAfee. They're supposed to use Microsoft's Forefront antivirus, um, some kind of a SOX-based proxy client, um, which is supposed to filter Internet stuff, the network layer, and all kinds of other stuff. So I don't even know why you'd want to steal a netbook for much anyway, but I I honestly don't think this is a real big I, big problem to get around most of this stuff, but that's just me. Yeah, that's way too much money for such a small problem that money could be spent elsewhere. Like, I mean, it's $500 for a netbook. You can get, what, two and a half for that price? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems insane to me. Yeah. And plus, they're 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 gonna have these poor kids keep them kept until you know, you know, for several years. That is gonna be so dated. Well, that that's part of my problem. When I was in college, when I was going to Newmont University, we were given um, ThinkPad T60P laptops, where and we were basically told that we're going to have these as long as we're there, which it's an accelerated school, so it's two and a half years, so it's not that bad, but um, newer classes would get the oh... I think they were still T60s, but they were like a widescreen version instead of the normal um, square-type screen that we had, but basically there was nothing we could do to update it or anything. They weren't even happy about the idea of people installing Windows Vista on it store they wouldn't support it or anything like that and basically a lot of people after several months were having lots of hardware issues with like screens getting lines in them and all kinds of really strange things and basically wanting new laptops were told nope it'll just be fixed or whatever and you'll get it back and and that's part of the problem is by the time you get out of there you've got a piece of junk that probably has lots of issues and isn't even equipped to run a lot of the modern software that they have by the time they graduate. Yeah, what uh, what we did when when I just started at Dell, the 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 veteran technicians would get the brand new computers, and then their old computer would get passed down to the uh, person who's less senior to them, and so on and so forth. So the so in high school, you're going to have a higher need than someone in middle school. And in middle school, you're going to have higher need than someone in this elementary school. And so they should just have these trickle down and then flow through uh, the chains uh, naturally so that the higher demand always have the newer equipment and the lower demand has the older equipment. Yeah, they, they should come up with something. I, I'm still not convinced of how a lot of... Um, laptops and stuff are going to work in schools I and mean, I kind of like the direction but there's just some logistical problems like this that are going to be hard to get around yeah but anyway and I cannot think of a good transition here um, ooh, 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 give me a second give me a second oh I got one speaking of things that are hard can't believe I'm just going there, but it's it works. Um, apparently, there was a child molester that was being was having his home raided by police or having a search warrant issued or whatever. And apparently, he was thinking about keeping an extra hard drive full of child porn that apparently he liked, but he wasn't really 
wanting to say anything to the officer at the time because the officer asked him, well, do you have any other hard drives around or whatever that could contain anything? Well, he's like, well, hypothetically speaking, what would you do if you found child pornography? Would you file new charges? And, of course, the cop, probably suspecting what's going on, says, uh, if it makes you feel any better, I've never filed new child porn charges. So he finds okay, the hard Here's... drive <laughs> downstairs, or shows it, or gives them the hard drive, and now there's now he's being charged with child porn charges. I think this is awesome, and I think this proves the point that uh, if you're stupid, it's going to come around and get you. <laughs> I can't believe how stupid this guy was when I saw this story. <laughs> like, okay, here's an external hard drive full of child porn. I mean, how stupid can you be? Especially if you're already being arrested or whatever for being a child molester. Yeah. And it's like, okay, was this all everything? Because it might not, it might be easier on you if you give us everything. It's like, oh, okay, well, here's some more. <laughs> uh, this, it's a good thing this guy will probably be going away to prison for a very long time. Because we don't need people this stupid out in the general population. Yeah, this is definitely a feel-good feel good story. Yeah, this is just kind of sad. And to think, there's probably more people in the world that are dumber than he is. Right. And they're all with licenses driving around right about them. Yeah, and they seem to all be in my town, too. <laughs> um, anyway, that would be all of our stories for today, except for the tip of the day, which, like I mentioned earlier, um, up until... Oh, let me look at the date on that. I forgot to even look. Up until October 5th, you can get a $50 rebate on the Xbox 360 Elite console. You can find details of that in the show notes. So if you're looking to get a 360 Elite, whether it's for yourself or maybe for a Christmas present or something like that, might want to save yourself the 50 bucks, buy it within the next week, and you can do a $50 mail-in rebate. Alright. I'm glad you didn't use the obvious uh, transition when talking about the tip. Which obvious transition would that be? <laughs> just talk about, just the tip. Just the tip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway, um, for the announcement that I had, I guess I'll go ahead and announce it now. Uh, I'll probably put the post up in the morning around the time that the show goes up. But we are doing a giveaway here at Global Geek News where we are going to be giving away a copy of Windows 7 Ultimate Signature Edition, 32-bit only. Uh, this was basically the copy of Windows 7 Ultimate Signature Edition that I got at a developer's at, uh, Windows 7 launch event last week up in Denver. And basically, I need 64-bit, this is 32-bit, so since I didn't get 64-bit, I'm going to give one of the listeners the 32-bit version. Um, what is the signature in the signature edition? Is it just custom backgrounds, or is it literally signed by someone? As far as I can tell, there seems to be no difference. Because from what I understand, they're also giving away the signature editions for the house parties as well, and which... I haven't seen the box art for the regular Windows 7 Ultimate, but I'm guessing maybe the logo on it is a little different. It's done in, like, a gold color or something like that. Okay. Which I'm guessing maybe that's all that's special or whatever. I don't know. I haven't tried to install it or anything. So I'm, I've asked some people at Microsoft. Nobody seems to know, so I'm not sure if there is anything special other than supposedly it's like a limited edition kind of thing. But okay. what it actually means, your guess is as good as mine. If anybody knows, feel free to say something in the show notes, drop me an email, whatever. I'll go through the email address and stuff shortly. But speaking of this contest, which I just opened up the wrong thing here, um, all, all the rules and stuff will be up tomorrow morning, or the morning that this comes out. But basically, you have four things that you have to do. First, you have to tweet, The Awesome Global Geek News Podcast is giving away a copy of Windows 7 Ultimate. Head here for details, which is followed by a bit.ly link and the Global Geek News hashtag. You must also follow at Global Geek News on Twitter. You must 
comment on at least one post from the Global Geek News blog in the last two months using the seven suggestions for becoming a constructive commenter that I did long ago. That's also going to be linked to in the post, so you know. But basically, no post saying, no comments just saying, you suck or anything like that. I want well-thought-out comments. Yeah, you very, very, very much suck. That's uh... Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, you must also have... The big thing is you must also have proof that you subscribe to the podcast. Now, I'm going to be pretty lenient with this. You can have, like, a screenshot of your podcatcher, whether it's iTunes or the Zoom software or whatever, showing that you have a subscription to the podcast. You can take a picture of your MP3 player showing that it's on there, and that'll work. Or even if you want to take a video of it being on there or something like that, that'll work too. Basically, I just need something that shows that you are subscribed to the Global Geek News podcast. And basically, the contest is going to run until 10 p.m. Eastern, October 12th, which will be, which is what time we will be recording this podcast on that date. Which, and the winner will be selected at random based on whoever twitters um, that link. And you can twitter as many times as you want. Although, fair warning, if you twitter too much, you'll probably annoy your followers and they'll stop following you. But. Um, the next day, you'll be notified via Twitter if you have won. Once you have won, assuming you are the lucky winner or whatever, you will have 24 hours to come up with a link showing that you commented on a post from the last two months and before the cutoff, that cutoff time of 10 p.m. Eastern on the October the 12th on the blog at some point. So anywhere within the window of now and then, uh, for anything from the last two months, you have to send me a, you have to tweet me back a link to that, and you also have to tweet me a link to a picture or video or whatever of your subscription to the podcast, of your proof of your subscription to the podcast. And I have a couple of other um, minor details and stuff that I'm working out that is why I haven't announced the giveaway just yet. Basically, um, it's only for U.S. residents, all the various legal mumbo-jumbo that go, comes along with it. But anyway, that's basically how things are going to work. So tweet as much as you like. Make sure to tell everybody else about it and give them a chance to win it too. So that is basically the contest. And if for the Windows 7 house party thing I end up getting another 32-bit copy instead of 64-bit, I will be giving that way a one in a second contest. So... There's hopes of getting two, but for right now, there's one copy of Windows 7 Ultimate to go around. Yeah, and apparently on eBay, they're auctioning it off for 100 bucks, so um, it's worth some cash if you want to put it on eBay if you win the prize. Yeah, the version that they gave, on it, gave us is in the upper left-hand corner. It says not for resale. That's why I'm not putting it on eBay myself. Right. So you might be able to get away with it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Right. But... That said, maybe you can give it away on Craigslist where you don't necessarily show a picture or something like that. I don't know. Just be careful. Yes. Anyway, that's basically all of the major news. Don't forget to check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com, and which is where you can find the link to the blog if you don't want to go there directly, which is globalgeeknews.com slash blog. Find out all of the different things I read about, like the stories we had today, and don't forget to check out tomorrow for the whole Best Buy screwing PS3 owner deal. And that's where you also find all the rules and stuff for the giveaway when I post it tomorrow. Um, actually, I'm going to post it to both the podcast site and the blog, so that way, one way or the other, you'll still see it. Um, and that's pretty much it. Any comments, suggestions, whatever, you can either leave them in the show, in the um, comments for the show or you can shoot me an email, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com Speaking of which, don't forget to follow Global Geek News on Twitter, which is at Global Geek News, and you can follow me on Twitter which is at pcnerd37 and you can follow Wesley on Twitter, which is at Wesley83 Yep. And I guess that's all I want to promote for Twitter. Anyway, I believe that's it. Any parting thoughts? No. 
go out there, have fun, and uh, uh, let us know if you're throwing a Windows 7 party. Yeah, let us know how that goes. Post pictures, or let us know if you're like us and just not actually throwing the party, just hoarding the copy of Windows 7. Anyway. Hey, that's not true. I I invited all my imaginary friends to the party. So did I. And they all said said they were coming, too. Yeah, so did I. I invited all of my forward email accounts that go to globalgeeknews at gmail.com. So basically, webmaster at globalgeeknews.com, admin at globalgeeknews.com, Jeremy Bray at globalgeeknews.com, and so forth. It's like one of those things where you see someone make up their own movie, and they're like, produced by Jeremy Bray. Directed by Jeremy Bray. Starring Jeremy Bray. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But anyway... That's our show for this week. Stay tuned next week, or tune in next week, and don't forget to participate in the giveaway if you're hoping to get a free copy of Windows 7 Ultimate because you didn't get invited to a house party or whatever. So we'll see you guys next week. Later. Bye.